Okay, I'm going to read it and then pray. So, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways in which you speak to us throughout every page of Scripture. And we thank you for these three verses found here. And we ask that you would take the truth that's found here, Lord, and you would sow it into our hearts. Now that you would enable us to not love this world. That you would enable us to stop loving this world and the things in this world. Lord, you would help us to know how to live out our faith in this world without loving this world too much. That we might be faithful to love you and follow you. So, Lord, would you please pour out your spirit and accomplish your good purposes in us today? And would you, would you change us where we need to be changed? And would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs> How do you know if you love this world too much? <clears throat> Have you ever thought about that? Okay, here's what I want to do. Just a little exercise And this may not work for you, or it might. So I'm just trusting the Lord. So close your eyes for a moment. Just bear with me. What what are you, don't open them, what what are you thinking about right now? What's occupying your mind at this moment besides my voice? If you could do anything in the world right now, what what would you do? Where, Where... Where's your mind going as you just sort of let it wander? What, what are you thinking about? Okay, you can open up your eyes. <clears throat> it's just a, a little exercise, but chances are what, whatever you were thinking about is, is probably an indicator of what you're most passionate about. Or maybe what you're most fearful about at this moment. Have you ever noticed that, that whatever our minds like to think about the most, they, they tend to reveal what, what, we're, what we're not just thinking about, but what we're most excited about. Think about what, what it is you think about before you go to bed at night, or what it is that you think about when you get up in the morning, maybe this morning. Where, where did your mind go? What, what was it that you were longing to do? What is it that you were thinking about? See, those, those things tend to reveal what, what we're most passionate about. So what are you most passionate about this morning? 
I think this, this in relation to not loving the world, it, it takes a little bit of discernment on our own part to understand who we are and what God has called us to do as we seek to live out our life in this world that he's created and he's redeemed us to live in. And so there needs a, some discernment in the things that we pursue and the things that we run after, but also some discernment in the sense of, do we love some of these things too much? And so I like to think about or like to evaluate in my own life, well, what are the things that I, I, I tend to think about the most and I tend to compare them to the things that God has called me to think about or the things that God has called me to do. And I sort of try to, try to weigh those things, not just personally, but also in the context of community. And so if you're to jump into my mind most days, a lot of what I'm thinking about, and I've already shared this the last couple of weeks, and the stuff I like to think about, this area my, my mind tends to go is I tend to think about disc golf. I know it's comical, but it's just true. I'm sorry. I have to push things like pickleball away because I know a lot of you love pickleball, but I'm just not going to engage it because I like disc golf too much sometimes. I also tend to think about baseball because I have the, the joy of being able to coach baseball, but during baseball season, my mind just goes there and it has this temptation to go there too much. I also tend to think about mowing lawns. I like mowing lawns. I like running a business with my boys to, to mow lawns. But, but these things can dominate my mind. And what I would say is they can dominate my mind and they can take over my heart too much. And those things aren't necessarily bad things, but when I begin to think about them too much, where they, they, they're the first thought in my mind when I wake up and they're what I'm thinking about on the way to church to preach a message about not loving the world, it might be an indicator that I've fallen into loving things of this world too much. And these things aren't necessarily bad things, are they? And so we can actually fall into the sin of worldliness or the sin of loving the world by, by loving things that God has created and things that are good too much. And by that I mean we love these things at the expense of actually loving God or thinking about the things that God has called us to think about. And so I'm going to ask you, do, do you love the world too much? Is there anything in this world that has captured your attention too much so that it ends up consuming you and your thoughts more so than your love for God and his ways? How do you know if you've fallen into the sin of worldliness? Well, this morning in our text, what we're going to learn from John is that we are not to love this world. And we are not to love the things of this world. And he's going to help us to understand this command to not love the world. And he's going to help us to discern what this is and what it may look like in our lives as we take a look at two points this morning from our text. And they're really simple points. In our first point, we learned this. We learned that we can't love the world and God at the same time. Point number one, we can't love the world and God at the same time. Look at verse 15 again. John says 
the following. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, in my study, some of this is, is, is do not love the world. There's this command here saying, do not do this. Do not love the world. But it it's also has, has this meaning too. Or stop loving the world. So there's a do not love the world. And it's a stop loving the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if we're going to rightly interpret this command to not love the world, we kind of need to understand what he means by world. Because the Bible uses this word a lot in reference to a number of things. One of the things it references is the world in general. God created the world. So are we not to love the things God has created? I don't don't think that's what John is talking about here. He's not talking about creation in general. This word's also used to describe the people that God's created in his image after his likeness. John 3.16 where it says... God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Again, I don't think John is referring to the people that God has created in this world. Instead, John's using the word world here to describe everything in this life, in this world, that has abandoned God as its creator and has rejected Jesus as its savior and Lord. This world is fundamentally opposed to God. It's, it's not acknowledging God as the ultimate authority, nor is it submitting to God as the one who has all authority. And so this world that John is calling us to not love and not give our lives to is, in a sense, a godless world. Robert Yarbrough wrote the following. He says, as a whole... It is a realm that does not or will not recognize Christ and that despises people who follow Christ. It is shot through with the influence of dangerous deceivers like false prophets and the Antichrist himself, the evil one who is in the world. The world is conceived of as the stronghold of those who ignore the apostolic testimony, while the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world, the saving work consists in equipping believers to overcome the world, not benign, benignly or acquiesce to its ways. In the end, in a sense, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. It is a sinister sphere indeed. It is an image of life where God does not rule. So the world that we're called on here not to love or to stop loving is everything and everyone in our lives who rejects God and his ways. And that can be a lot of things. Loving the world is also commonly referred to as worldliness, which would be the opposite of godliness, the thing in which we are called to pursue. We're called to be holy because our God is holy. We're not called to be worldly. We're called to be godly. C.J. Mahaney in his book, Worldliness, writes the following in regards to what worldliness is. He says, worldliness is a love for this fallen world. 
It's loving the values and pursuits of the world that stand opposed to God. More specifically, it is to gratify and exalt oneself to the exclusion of God. It rejects God's rule and replaces it with our own. That's what worldliness is. So again, the world that we're called here not to love, the one that we're called to stop loving, is everyone and everything in our lives that is rejecting God and his rule. Now let's take a moment and define what love is here. Love is two things. It's a desire for something along with a commitment to that thing or that person. So it's a desire for and a commitment to. And so it requires a lot of sacrifice. And so if I say, I love my wife, I'm saying I desire my wife and I'm committed to her. In the same way you would say, husbands, you say you love your wife and so you desire her and you are committed to her. And if you were to say you love your job, you're going to say you're desirous of doing your job and you're committed to doing your job. And so you sacrifice a lot of things for the things that you love. The desire and commitment to the things that you love, it may vary based on how much you love that person or those things. If you're wondering now, listen, if you're wondering what you really love in this world, just take a look at your life. So we can say, I, I, I could say all day, Sarah, I love you. But if I never actually spend time with her, you might begin to question if I really love her, right? Because love kind of looks like something. There's a desire for her, and then there's a commitment to her. And so there's a lot of sacrifice involved in that. So if you're really wondering what you love, because remember, this is about not loving the world. And so if you're wondering, well, what is it that I really love? Just take a look at your life. Think about those things. What, what is it that you desire most? And then what is it that you're committed to doing the most? So just, just look at your life. Where do you spend most of your time? Where do you spend most of your money? Just open up your bank statement for a moment. And you'll, you'll find out real quick what you love the most. Where do you spend your resources? You have free money or you have stuff that you get to just spend whatever you want to do. What are you going to spend it on? A lot of times what those things reveal, it reveals what we love. If we desire something and we're committed to that thing, it's going to reveal what we love most in this world or the things we love most in this world. True and genuine love, it always requires a commitment of time and resources. If you truly love God and his ways, you're going to spend some time with him. See, we can say all day long, Lord, I love you. You're the best thing in the whole world. But, but if you don't actually desire him and you don't actually spend time with the Lord, what does that really say about your love for God? It might say you might actually love something else. If your heart has been captured by someone or something else, your time and your resource, they're going to go to that. See, it's a slippery slope. It's so easy 
to take our eyes off of Jesus and just let them be fixated on the things of this world. This is where I think, I think there just needs to be some honest assessment of where our hearts really are at. John's writing this letter, and he's using, it's like, it's like he took a break, if you look at verses 12 through 14, because he's been saying some pretty tough things. You know, obey the Lord. If you love me, this is what it looks like. And you, you can't say you love me if you hate your brothers or sisters. And then he stops in verses 12, 13, and 14. He just says, okay, let me just back off of the commands for a moment and just remind you, your sins are forgiven. Walk in the good of that. You, you have an advocate. It's Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. And then after he took that little break, and he just comes back and he just says, don't love the world. Stop loving the world. Because he's just aware. It's so easy to love the world, isn't it? It's so easy to just fall into the trap of loving the things around us more than we actually love God. I'm not saying that as as somebody who's trying to talk down to you. I live in this world. On my way to preach this message, I'm fighting off the things that I love that I'm aware my heart has grabbed onto, that's not just some silly illustration. That's what I'm doing while I'm driving over here. It's like, Lord, I don't want to think about that. I don't care who's going to pitch on Monday. Help me to think about this. Lord, may my heart be captured by you. Isn't it easy? It's just easy to fall in that trap where we just end up loving the things of this world. And not just the evil things, just the things of this world. Who in here hasn't sat down to maybe read their Bible only to have this crazy thing in front of you and next thing you know, an hour later, 30 minutes later, you'd never even cracked your Bible because you were just spending the time looking at people in your life that were doing things, catching up on what happened the night before. Or if you're me, maybe getting lost in ESPN to find some worthless stat about somebody I don't even care about, but for some reason, since I was five years old, I love it. Love to see it. I didn't have this when I was five, but I had Sports Center. It's a slippery slope. It's so easy to just be consumed by the things of this world. And it's not even just, they don't have to be completely evil things. They can just be good things that God has created that we end up just loving more than we actually love the one who's created us in his image. This is why John says, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then James, writing to his readers in verse 4, chapter 4, he said it like this. He said, you adulterous people. Pretty serious. So John's saying, don't do it. And then James is saying, you're an adulterous people. If you find yourself in friendship with this world, he says, do not Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is serious business. It's so tempting to be friends with this world. Because we see it. We feel it. There's this immediate gratification a lot of times when when you see something in this world and you run after it and we're going to get to how important that is or how worthless that is at the end of this message but but it is a slippery slope 
But what John is saying here is that God has not created us with the capacity to love the Lord with all of our heart and to love this world in the same way. We don't have the capacity for that. We can't love parts of this world and give our hearts to parts of this world and at the same time think that we're actually loving the Lord. He's created us and He's redeemed us to love the Lord with our whole heart, mind, body, and soul. And it's a fight. It's a fight. There's not room for God and the world in our hearts. This is why John says, Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. They're just not compatible. Loving the world is sin. It's allowing our lives to be influenced and shaped by people and things of this world that do not accept and acknowledge God. In verse 16, John explains this further by writing the following. He says, For all that is in the world, and now he kind of starts to define it a little bit more for us. The desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and pride of life, or maybe your version, pride of possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. None of these things are from God, nor are these things that he just described here, seeking to glorify God. Now, you notice the the word desire there that he uses two times. So this word desire or lust, it just means to covet something. It's an unrestrained desire for something. And here's the key, something that's forbidden. Something that God has not given to us. It might be a good thing, but it's not your thing. It's not something that God has said, yes, this is yours. You can have this. You can think about this. You can pursue this. This is something that is not yours that God has said no to. And there's this desire that wells up that we want it. We covet it. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes this in regards to that. He says, lust. In other words... Talking about desire here, covetousness. Lust, in other words, means that instead of controlling our desires and using them as we ought to, we are controlled by them. They master us and they control us. These characteristics of a worldly life described or describe what's, what's really going on in our hearts. If you notice, look at those. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possessions... John is saying, these things are worldly. These are the things that we're to pay attention to. These are the things that we're to run away from, to stop loving. And and these are the things that really that he's saying, they exist in our hearts. That we have to pay close attention to. And so what are they? Well, let's take a look at the desires of the flesh. What that is, that's an inordinate desire that arises from within us. From our fallen sinful nature. It literally means to be hot after something or someone that God has not given to us. It's running after one of those things that God has not given to us. It's referring to any sinful desire that we have in our hearts for someone or something that is contrary to the will of God for us. It could be a person who's not your spouse. It could be something we don't own or can't afford. 
a position of power that God has not given to us, a reputation that we don't have, a thing that we really want to do but our parents won't let us do. It could be any number of things that are in this world that God just hasn't said yes to us. But it's a desire of the flesh. It's something we we feel rise up and we want it. A lot of times this looks like lust. I'm not just talking about lust physically. It looks a lot like covetousness. It's, It's wanting something too much. It's this willingness to think about it, to be consumed by it, and spend our resources on it so that we might get it sacrificing the things that God has called us to for the purpose of getting something that that God has said no to for us. Does that make sense? It's a desire of the flesh. And what John is saying, he's saying it's worldly. That's how the world operates. When we operate our lives like that, when we begin to run after those things that God has said no to, what we're doing is we're loving the world. David Allen writes the following. He says, in the extreme, it would include, he's talking about desires of the flesh, it would include gluttonous and food. And so he's just saying, what it looks like sometimes, it's eating too much. You know, it's like when you're hungry and you get pizza and you've really wanted that pizza and you You just begin to eat and you don't stop. And then when you do stop and it's like, oh, I shouldn't have had that last three or four pieces. You know what it feels like, right? To eat too much. What do they say? Our eyes are bigger than our stomachs. How you say it? Something like that. That's what he's getting at here. It's the extreme. It's, It's wanting something too much and then consuming it too much. Slavish and pleasure. Again, it's just a lack of self-control, lustful and lax in morals, selfish in the use of possessions, regardless of all spiritual values, extravagant in gratification of material desires. The desires of the flesh are always contrary, always contrary to the desire to do the will of God. It's, It's really motivated by self. It's I want this. I don't care what God has said about this. Therefore, I'm going to pursue this at all costs until I get this. It's worldly. Then we have the desires of the eyes. The desires of the eyes are desires that arise from this view, what's viewed outside of us based on outward appearance. It's just basically, it's looking out at this world and seeing things and wanting them. Think about David, King David. David's standing on his rooftop one day. Should have been out to war, but he wasn't. Instead, he's on his rooftop, and he just happens to see this pretty girl. And he wants her, and he takes her, and he commits all sorts of sin because what he saw worked its way from out there and into his heart. And he was willing to sacrifice everything to get it because he fell into the desires of the eyes. It's a searching look. It's wanting something that God has said no to again, but seeing it and allowing for it to work its way into our hearts and and just running hard after it. And we all know what this is like, don't we? So I've I've noticed recently when my wife and I go out shopping, she'll laugh at me sometimes. 
And she'd be like, you need to get out of the house more or say something like that. Because I don't shop a lot. But when I do go out shopping, I'll walk around and I'll be like, I didn't even know this stuff existed. And then I'll start to touch these things and I'll try like a, a different sweatshirt besides a black one on. Or I'll maybe see a new black sweatshirt that I kind of like. And I'm like, wow, they actually have different ones besides these Nike ones. And I'm not lying to you. This is what I do. And she could vouch for this. And she'll say, you need to get out of the house more. But what she also laughs at is because then I'll start buying things. Stuff I've never even knew existed, but I'll buy it just because I see it. You know, ever, has it ever worked that way for you guys? I'm dangerous in Home Depot. There's also this little store, I think it's called Town Lake Power Equipment. Dangerous in that store. If you've never been in there, I, like, just watch out. All it is is mowers. See, there's a trend here. In my mind, mowing and anything to do with mowing or cutting anything down, like this store has it. And I walk in there and I'm just going to get some, some line. And I walk and I'll touch every mower in there and just like envision myself riding it and stuff like that. It's bad. Anyways, the point is you know what it's like. I'm sure it's Amazon or it's some other website or you're walking around the store, you're looking at something, you want a car, you just go look at it. And eventually you start to see the car you can afford. And then you might see the car that you can't afford, but it's way nicer. And it just works that way. What we see, we got to be careful because it makes its way not just into our minds, but into our hearts. And then we're willing to love it by sacrificing anything and everything to get it. When God maybe has said no to it. Then he talks about the pride of possessions or the pride of life, depending on your version What this here is, it's just straight-up arrogance and self-sufficiency. He's describing a person who's just a braggart. Somebody who always thinks they're right. Somebody who thinks they're the best at everything. And someone who just, just can't be around people who might be better than them. And so they're the type of people here who, who when you tell a story maybe about the vacation you went on, they have a better story about their vacation. You know what I'm talking about? That type of person? All of us are that type of person at some point or another. And all you got to do is just talk long enough with somebody to find out what they really love most, and they'll have a better story. They'll have something to tell you about how good they are. And, And John's going after that here. He's saying, that's what the world does. The world thinks about themselves more than they think about God. The world is more concerned about self than they are about serving. And so there's this pride of life or this pride in possessions. And what John would say is take a look at your own heart. Where do these things exist? And put them to death. Do not love this world. Which leads us to our second point. This world has nothing to offer us. Has nothing to offer us. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life are the things of this world that we're not to love. And they're all worthless. Look at verse 17. It says, And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what's this world worth? Not much. It's all temporary. 
and all of it's heading towards destruction. We should not love the world. We should not give ourselves to the things of this world because all of it is passing away. None of it lasts forever. Now I realize I'm saying this to you and you're going to go be like, yeah, I agree with you completely. But the reality is we all do not really believe it at times. Evidenced by the way in which we spend our money. Evidenced by the way in which we spend our time investing into the things of this world. But we know, guess what? They're just passing away. It's all temporal, but yet we still pursue bigger and we still pursue better because we think it's going to satisfy somewhere in us. And we kind of disguise it at times and say, well, we're just enjoying it for the glory of God. And I believe that to be true. Most of the time, but sometimes we just have to be careful. And we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, am I loving the world here? Am I investing my life into something that's just passing away? Am I loving something too much? Because there's no future in the things of this world. The world we live in is going to sell us something different than this truth, though. It's going to tell us it's good. It's going to try to convince us that, that this thing we purchase, this thing we run after, this thing we give our heart to will make us happy. And it might. It might make us happy for a few years. But John's letting us in on this secret here. It doesn't last. It never lasts. Nothing in this world lasts forever. It all has an expiration date. It's just like the gallon of milk in your fridge. And here's what I want you to do. I want to test this out if you want to do this. You don't have to do this. but Take that gallon of milk that's in your fridge and just let it sit there for six months. Okay? And then pull it out six months from today. We'll have a testimony. Whoever wants to, anybody want to volunteer for this? Kyle? No? Let that gallon of milk sit there for six months. And then open that thing up and drink it. Why would you not do that? Because it expires. It's worthless. And what John is saying to us, he's saying, that's what this world is. It expires. He's not saying use it all and enjoy it before it expires. He's just saying don't love it. Don't love anything in this world more than you love God. Don't hold on to anything in this world like this. The only one that deserves to be held on like this is his name's Jesus. Everything else has an expiration date. Everything else is just milk. So you can run after your promotion. You can run after your career. But eventually, it'll either go away or you're going to go away. You can build your dream home. I had my house painted, I don't know, how many years ago? Four. I think you got to paint it again in two years. Maddening. I love that it's brick or whatever and the things I didn't know when I was young. But that thing's always got to be painted every so often because it gets old. You can decorate your home. We have some great decorators in this church. You can decorate your home. And I'm probably wrong here, so Fran, help me out here. But I think everything has a shelf life, right? Eventually something new comes along. So, so you can decorate all you want, but eventually it's going to wear out. It just does everything. And it's not just houses. You're going to wear out. I don't know if you know this or not, but you don't last forever. 
Your marriage doesn't last forever. We say till death do us part. Because one of us will die before the other most likely. So we don't love our spouse more than we love God. Doesn't mean we don't love our spouse because we do, but we love God the most and we love Christ the most. But everything in this life, it just has an expiration date. But he says this at the end of verse 17. He says, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's like John saying is, do not love this world. Don't give your life to the things of this world. Enjoy them for the glory of God, but, but don't make them into idols. Don't bow down and worship these things at the expense of all who God is and the things that he's called us for, to. But if you, if you want something that lasts, he's saying invest your life into this. Invest your life into trusting in Christ. Abide in his word. Seek to give yourself to him and in obedience to him and and then you'll find something that's eternal david allen again says only god his kingdom and those who are rightly related to him will never fade throughout eternity so what do you want to invest your life in you want to take everything you have and just throw it into the things of this world and if you do that here's what's going to happen at the end you will find out that you're bankrupt Spiritually, none of this lasts. Came across this illustration in my study. You guys know who Charles Dutton is? You ever watch The Rock? Old TV show? So he's an actor, and I didn't know this about him. I had to study this because I found it in a book that I was reading about this. But, but he's a famous actor. He's retired now, but he spent some time in prison. And it was in prison where he learned about his love for acting. And so he did some Broadway and then he got, did some sitcoms. If you Google him, which some of you probably did, you probably recognize him already. Anyways, the point is when he, he was in prison for seven years before becoming an actor, um, they began to ask, they, when he got out, they asked him a question. They said, how did you make the transition through those prison years to Broadway? And here's what his response was. He said this. He said, unlike other prisoners, I never decorated my cell because I wanted to be reminded every day this place is temporary. I just think that, that, that he, he gets it. And he, this man's not even a believer. Just think about the lives we've been called to live. This is not our home. This world is passing away. Do not live as if this life here on earth is permanent. And I'd say this, do not decorate your cell. I'm not just talking about your house. I'm not talking about that decoration. I'm just saying, do all that you can to remind yourself, this is not forever. And this is worthless because it's all passing away. We enjoy it and we use it for the glory of God, but we don't love it. Who do we love? The Lord. So in closing, let me ask you this question to consider. Where do you need to stop loving the world today? I'm not talking about a big thing. It could be a big thing, but I'm just saying, what's one thing? What part of the world has, has gripped hold of your heart? Or that you've held on to like this and maybe you just kind of need to open it up like that? Or actually turn away from? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you speak to us, and I thank you that you call us to not love this world or the things in this world. Lord, I ask that you'd pour out your spirit upon us, that you'd help us to discern this in our hearts, that we would repent rightly of them and trust you for these things, and that, Lord, our hearts would love you most of all, and we'd give ourselves, Lord, to honoring and glorifying you in all that we say and all that we do. And Lord, we need your help in this. So would you pour out your spirit upon us? Lord, would you fill us with your spirit to teach us to not love this world, but to love you in all that we do? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, As you leave, may the Lord bless you. May he pour out his spirit upon you. May you experience his mercy in abundance. Have a great Sunday.